0: And while the flash of our beginning has not yet traveled the light years into distance, has not yet been seen by planets deep within the other galaxies, we will disappear into the blackness of the space from which we came, destroyed as we began in a burst of gas and fire. and cold once more in all the immensity of our universe and the galaxies beyond the earth will not be missed through the infinite reaches of space the problems of man seem trivial and naive indeed and man existing alone seems himself an episode of little consequence
1: fellow earth babies and welcome to post-punk hardstrings i'm jimmy james s butler and you just heard a little part of the planetarium scene and then you heard another little part of the planetarium scene the former brought to you by rebel without a cause and the second part brought to you by the ocean blue And those of you who are fans of the Ocean Blue will probably get it. If you're not, well, welcome to the show, because I have invited Jamie Harmon back to talk with me about the Ocean Blue release, Cerulean. Jamie and I sat down and had a really wonderful and very long conversation about this album. So I have broken it up into two separate episodes, the first of which you are hearing right now. I usually try to keep my intro short, but I do want to share a little bit about what I'm interested in to help you get to know me a little better. Just this week, I found out about a wonderful documentary on the lead singer from Men at Work. And I always thought that Men at Work was a very underrated band. I would love to cover one of their albums at some point. But the lead singer Colin Hay, there's a documentary about his life called Waiting for My Real Life. And I heard about the documentary when Rob Burks, a friend on Facebook, posted the album artwork from Men at Work, Business as Usual, their debut album. And then there was a conversation that took place in the comments. And Rob Burks asked Chris Taylor if he had seen the documentary. So I was immediately interested, and Chris Taylor told me that the title of it was Waiting for My Real Life. And I immediately went and searched it up on Roku, and it could be found for free on a number of different providers. Amazon Prime, Crackle, I believe I watched it on Vudu. And I can't recommend enough that you go check this out. Even if you're not a huge Men at Work fan, it was such a touching documentary and really inspirational and really down to earth. And it really flips on its head what rock stardom, fame, fortune, and success actually means and where you find your joy and your creativity and your purpose. It was really touching to me and I just can't recommend enough that you guys go and check it out. I'll say a few things on the back end of the episode as well, but the only other thing I would say up front is that The Ocean Blue is one of my absolutely favorite bands, and I would love to get a chance to talk to David Chesel. And I've reached out to him and haven't received an answer yet, but... I know that when you reach out, sometimes on social media, it doesn't even get through to the person right away or if ever. So I'm hoping to hear back from him because I feel like I have a lot of really interesting questions that you listeners would be interested in hearing the answers to. So I will keep trying. One of the things that I have learned with this podcast is it never hurts to ask. I'm trying to push myself out of my comfort zone as much as I can and reach out to people. And the worst that they can say is nothing. (laughs) Not no, but nothing. And I have got a lot of nothing when I've reached out to various artists, but that's okay. I respect their right to not say anything because I know that a lot of people get reached out to a lot. And if you grant one, it's kind of like a slippery slope. Why did you grant this interview, but not grant another interview? But I'm not going to go off on that tangent too far only to say that I am constantly reaching out to different artists and trying to get them. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not, and I'm going to keep trying. Back to the Ocean Blue, one of my favorite bands. The first time I heard Ballerina Out of Control on 120 Minutes Way Back in 1991, I was smitten with the band and sought out everything I can find, and I have followed them ever since. I've seen them a couple of times in concert. I'm hoping to see them many, many more times. And thank you for joining Jamie and I as we talk through each track on Cerulean. Okay. We're recording now. And as I was saying, I don't want to miss any of your golden banter. So we've got this recording going. And I didn't want to miss the comments about the appropriateness of my background, which I didn't even think about. It's like a uh-huh. spacey background. Yeah. And it's a spacey mm-hmm. album.
2: It is. It very much is. <laughs> Underwater spacey. Yeah.
1: Underwater. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Somebody's been taking notes and somebody's jotted some things down. (laughs) Ah, Okay. (laughs) So we're talking about the ocean blue cerulean. And for people who don't know, I mean, you've been on a couple episodes and some really good ones. I've gotten some good feedback, especially this last one on the police synchronicity. Ah, I got some good feedback from (laughs) listeners on it. But yeah, Jamie Harmon. And I always have to pause. I pause after Jamie because I got to get the last name right. Because
2: I know I've had one. so many.
1: So you're <laughs> right, right? So Jamie Harmon. I believe you said that you were not familiar with this album.
2: No, right? I'm really happy okay. you introduced me to this band. I really like them. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I thought you would. I thought you would. Thank you for being up for exploring a new oh, yeah. album that you yes. haven't heard and a new band that you haven't heard. Right. So I'll just do a little intro of the band. The Ocean Blue is from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Probably most of the people that will listen to this will know that. And they came out in the very late 80s when we were in college. And they signed onto Sire Records, which at the time was like one of the record labels that had all the cool bands. They started in junior high. So they're one of those bands that started playing in clubs and stuff like that, but they couldn't. They, had to, they were like sequestered to, <laughs> to the dressing room. Okay. And yeah, and so, that you know, they were in their early to late teens, you know. Yeah. And so then when they signed on to Sire, they were ranging from 18 to 20. And some of their favorite bands were Echoing the Bunnymen, The Cure, Depeche Mode, The Mighty Lemon so. Drops, the, and all those bands are on that label. So,
2: oh, okay. you know,
1: imagine getting courted and signed to hmm. Sire Records and, you know, a lot of your idols you know, yeah. you fl- and bands you listen to all the time are on there. That's um, amazing. So Dave Schelzel is the lead singer, plays guitar. Steve Lau was on keyboards, Rob Minig, Minig, Rob Minig, maybe that's it. Drums and Other Voices, and then Bobby Metten was bass. Um, and so, of course, I'm most familiar with David uh, shell's old because he's kind of been there the whole time and some of the members have changed and he's the lead singer so you know usually they're on the interviews and on the videos and stuff like that
2: they had one guy at one point that was playing the saxophone i saw yeah him that
1: happened. was i believe there wasn't saxophone on this album but the first yeah. album um that was steve lau i believe Okay. who did keyboards on Cerulean, which is the album we're going to talk about. Yeah. And he ended up leaving the band partly because of that oh. artistic differences and stylistic differences. And some of the reading I did said that the first album, which I believe was just self-titled called The Ocean Blue,
2: yeah, was yeah. more of a
1: group effort. Okay. Okay. And,
2: okay.
1: and wasn't it like so there See was,
2: the ocean blue?
1: Well, there's one called yeah. "See the Ocean Blue." It might have been called, me. yeah. 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 So that's a later one, but um, mm-hmm. so there was sax, and it was it was more of a group thing, and it was really good. The first album's really good, but then the thing I read said that David pretty much made up all the demos himself, and then oh. brought them to the band and said, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do." and so and he was more leaning towards more guitar stuff I don't believe there's any sax on this album there's a lot of synth which is awesome great yeah it's it's
2: really really um basic I mean I don't know if that's the right word musically it's real basic and simple and a lot of them sound the same which is I mean it's very cohesive that way it's not like that synchronicity album where it's like what are are they doing (laughs) on the same album um so they all melded well together I thought
1: yeah, I agree with you, and I understand what you're saying as far as the like simplicity stuff. They have all the same elements, you know, kind of working together, yeah. but they're, it's very simple, and you can pick them out. It's easy to pick mm-hmm. out all the different things. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some layered guitars, but you know that they're layered mm-hmm. guitars, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the Ocean Blue has sort of a history of naming their albums different variations of blue or. The ocean, (laughs) mostly blue. (laughs) So this album's called Cerulean, which is like a a deep sky blue color. Hence your background. Hence my background, my spacey blue. (laughs) Oh, and this album came out in 1991, February of 1991. I vividly remember when this came out. And I have a story about it because Matt, and I'll never remember his last name, but he was the guy, I think, that was from your hometown.
2: Oh, Matt Falver.
1: was He He was from your hometown, um, correct? He was
2: from my aunt's hometown. I ended up living in town for years, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: but he came to school, right? Yep, yep, he was to there SB, first. To SBU, yeah, yep. Southwest Baptist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember he was always listening to new bands and finding new bands oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you, he was
2: big Echo and the Bunnymen fan. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: And you told me, oh yeah, he's got a new band he's listening to called Ned's Atomic Dustbin and and I was like okay I gotta figure out who this is so I, I remember I went home on a weekend and I was up late I believe on a Friday and 120 minutes on MTV came on and they were playing Ned's Atomic Dustbin so I was like oh I gotta listen to this really liked it but then it followed up with one of the songs from this album Ballerina a oh. Control uh
2: yeah that was the one that was a little bit commercial that got some yes. attention. yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah Exactly. So that was kind of my introduction to this and it that was it would have been funny. right after this came out.
2: And that's right when I came to ask
1: you. Thank you because you were responsible and <laughs> That is Matt. ironic.
2: That is And funny. thank Matt. I, I did not <laughs> but, remember that I had to tell him.
1: And then afterwards I heard some of their songs on the Southwest Missouri college radio from Springfield oh, okay. that I could get in the room sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. in Bolivar. Um, yeah. They played some of the songs as well. So their influences, which are pretty obvious in the music, I think, are the Smiths, yeah. uh, the Chameleons, Echo and the Bunnymen, New Order, maybe not as much New Order, but there are some synths in there. And David was very influenced by the Cocktail Twins. They don't really sound like the Cocktail Twins, but definitely the Smiths and Echo and the Bunnymen. I think can be heard in their music and their style.
2: Yeah, um, I could hear some like REM-ish stuff to me too.
1: Yeah, thank you for mentioning that because I didn't write that down. But in um, a lot of stuff I read and heard, like he said, they were very influenced by REM as well. Well, and that makes
2: sense too because Michael Stipe was a poet as well. So, I mean, you yeah. know, like you said, they're very poetic
1: and they they are. He mentioned in, I don't remember whether it was something I read or watched, but he said that he met Michael Stipe. I think it was an audio interview because they asked, did you end up meeting any of the, you know, these people in these bands that you you know, signed to their same label? He's like, Michael Stipe's the only one I ever met, really.
3: Yeah. And he
1: said he was the nicest guy. He said he was so nice. So that's that pretty sense.
3: cool. And that's <laughs>
1: nice to meet mm-hmm. somebody you idolize sort of in... Have, have them be a really nice. Yeah, yeah, he said it was after a concert. Uh, Michael Stipe came, you know, over to their bus or trailer or whatever it was, and you know, wanted to meet him. And he said there were all sorts of fans surrounding David Chelzel, asking for autographs. And he's like, Michael Stipe's standing right here. Like, why are you asking me for autographs?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: anyway, I thought that was really cool. That mm-hmm. was really cool. So their genre is classified as indie pop, dream pop, and jangle pop. And I think I always focus in on the dream Django pop. pop. <laughs> jangle pop what is are what kind of REM was kind of a jangle type band okay. I wouldn't call it pop no, um, no, no I really don't like pop in any of them but, no
2: um, I pop indicates what's what's currently cool and and mm-hmm. that's not REM at all.
1: I mean mm-hmm.
2: were they mainstream for a while yeah, they were and everybody knows some of their songs but that's not their persona or anything like that definitely not Underground is what I consider them so I don't yeah
1: yeah I agree with you yeah I always kind of shy away from when I see the pop. I don't, I don't really care yeah. for that too much.
2: One reviewer called them Muzak that rocks. And I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's why they have pop on there because it's more positive or
2: you yeah, know,
3: uplifting mellow. sounding
1: or something yeah. and mellow. I like that better though, than pop. That's good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> something interesting. And I already knew this. I, I think I read about them early on in some of the... Christian magazines at the time, but says while the band was comprised of Christians, they never wore their faith on their collective sleeves, preferring to let the music speak for itself. Mm. This resulted in effectively dropping subtle hints here and there. Band members have stated in interviews that they never liked the commercialization of faith-based art, yet their Christian worldview does sneak into their music on regular occasions much mm-hmm. like how J.R.R. R. Tolkien's Catholic faith made ah. regular appearances in The Lord of the Rings. Sure. Even though it's essentially a pagan story. That's a quote from Indie Vision music. I don't know that I'd call it a pagan story necessarily.
2: Pagan but, story, interesting. I guess you, okay. Yeah,
1: but that was Indie Vision music. That was their quote, but I thought that was interesting. And you might've saw some, did you see, see any of these sort of uh, spiritual or Christian threads? Okay. The
2: planetarium scene, I was like, that's yeah. pretty cool.
1: So Absolutely. We got some stuff to talk about on that one. Yeah. I think that's all I had in the way of introduction, unless you have something you'd like to say. I mean, I guess I'd like to hear just your overall impression since you are just been introduced to it and whatever else you might want to say.
2: Yeah, I was I was trying really hard not to let the title of the album and the name of the band influence me. But after listening several times through all the songs, I was like, OK, my overall impression is is very underwater sounding. So like what was the middle one that you said, the dream dream pop or whatever
1: but dream pop yeah yeah, it
2: does have that like floating like floating through mm-hmm. space, you know, floating Definitely. underwater, whatever. It's very soothing overall. And I said it very 80s to me. It, yeah. I watched a couple of the videos just to get an idea of what they look like. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is the 80s. I mean, I know they came out. I mean, they were more 90s, but they were very by mm-hmm. the 80s. I already said the REM thing. A couple of the songs, like really, Cerulean, the song Cerulean, that was very REM. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I can hear them a lot in that one. I also said some of it just brings to mind West End Girls that song that band what you know that song
1: yeah the Pet Shop Um, Boys
2: Pet Shop Boys I've seen
1: the Ocean Blue twice and the first time I saw them
2: you saw them in concert
1: I saw them twice oh wow Um, and one the first time was in Chicago and a lot of times for their encores they'll do covers Oh, and funny. so they did West End Girls was. Oh my gosh. That is did. great. Mm-hmm. It's perfect yeah. because
2: that's the, no. on Mercury. No, not even on Mercury. It just at the top, I put West End Girls. West End and Girls. then Spando <laughs> yeah. Ballet. Just oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah fluid melodic you know so i really feel like overall the songs like i said very simple very similar to each other but enough different that there's different things that popped out of each one of them most of them there's a couple of them that i'm like "Eh." but what was funny was looking at some of the reviews um one guy said yeah this is just a filler and i'm like that is so funny because i put down just a filler filler. (laughs) (laughs) we had the exact same opinion (laughs) that's funny yeah. Or not bad.
1: Just There's yeah. definitely some filler type songs. I I'll concede mm-hmm. that for sure. But it was fun digging into these a little bit. It seems like most of the bands I end up trying to cover on here, like you go to the websites that have the song meanings and there's nothing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: now, the Police
1: yeah. where there was a little bit more cuz they're super yeah. popular, right? But yeah. there's there wasn't even much. I find the on lyrics
2: to Falling Through the Ice. Did you find the lyrics to that?
1: There there aren't any. okay it's it's all instrumental so you you will not find it Jamie what is my problem (laughs) the only lyric you'll find is the title
2: there you go that's what their titles are great I mean some of them were even like I've sung too many songs to the crowd that didn't want to hear and I'm listening (laughs) I'm like that's longer than the song is (laughs) Right, right, right have you ever seen the movie music and lyrics it's, um,
1: yes, I'm you trying grant to think who's, more. yes, yes, you, you grant, yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. He's and, like a pop singer. And and like, and she, she's a writer. Yes. 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 yes and great. she's
2: like, she's like, you're the dessert or you're the meal or whatever. And they, they were talking about, he said, you know, I can't do lyrics. I just do the music. And she's like, but that's so important, too. And I've always leaned more towards the lyrics. And I'm not saying they're not good musicians. They are, but they're not complicated musicians. So it's not like you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, that was just an amazing riff or whatever. But when you read their lyrics, it's like, oh, that's where they're strong. I mean, they're just. Yeah. Lyrics, they're very simple and they repeat a lot, but they have just some great lines that I'm like, wow, you guys are poetic, very poetic. So,
1: yeah, and I think they were big fans of the Smiths, you know, and Morrissey was very, Mm -hmm. very lyrical and very good at that. So I think they maybe took some cues from that. And that was important to David to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, you were saying it's very simple. I mean, even his singing is very simple. I didn't realize how simple it is till I started you know, investigating and reading and listening through these and listening to him talk about it. And he talked about how he's not that strong or great of a singer. And I'm like, wait a minute. I love his voice though. Yeah. It's so like comforting. It's at that register that's for me yeah. personally is very like soothing. And but it's true. He does not range. No, he doesn't have one.
2: One reviewer no. said that they said he doesn't have a great range he's not mm. like a great There's singer, no for, as far as that goes yeah he's yeah. he's pretty much one note and you can hear that that's why the songs all sound the same because they're real basic instruments and his voice is the same on every song and he has a higher voice and he on a couple of songs he tries to go a little bit lower yeah. octave and he's <laughs> yeah. okay with that but just not yeah. not very strong with that so his voice yeah. is Right there, like a like a young boy before his voice changes completely. That's his home, and yeah. and he's beautiful. I mean, that's you know that's ideal. So yeah, he does well with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it works. It's just, but yeah. it's it definitely is like you said. It's it's a very narrow range, and he always stays in it. And I guess that's good. I mean, I guess he should if that's yeah. what he can do. But and he realizes why that. They,
2: that's probably why they weren't so well known and popular for long because people like difference and stuff, I guess. I don't
1: know. Yeah. That and the time, I think there was a lot with the timing because in those, in those early nineties, grunge grunge came in
3: Yeah, and grunge was, (laughs) um,
1: I was talking to um, one of the new friends I met through this podcast, his name's Jim Anderson, and he makes music under the uh, name Airedale. That's his project name. Hmm. Um, But we were talking and I was like, you know, I was not a huge grunge fan. I liked some of it, but I just wasn't a huge fan. I didn't realize till I started thinking about it how grunge was very produced. It was very produced sound. Oh yeah. So it was kind of weird because it was a very its persona Anti-the. was very raw. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it was. But when you yeah, know Nirvana was played on the radio. What, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying they're bad. I, you no. know, I really liked their second album, like some of the like Heart Shaped Box and stuff like that. Was mm-hmm. where it got into more stuff that I really enjoyed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people said yeah. that that was part of Kurt Cobain's angst and what led to his suicide was that he wanted to be, you know, anti-establishment, and he yeah. was majorly a part of the establishment against his will. Well, just and, imagine,
1: just yeah. imagine how how <laughs> fast and quick they blew wow. up. I mean, for anyone to be able to handle something like that, it, it, you know, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, but, and I'm sure they're sound before they got with the record company stuff. It probably was much less produced and you know more yeah. raw and Real so yeah, more punky, you know, on that level of mm-hmm. you know, of yeah. feeling. But yeah, we're going off on a tangent now.
2: <laughs> well and ocean blue coming out during that time, they weren't angry. And so it's yeah. you know, they yeah. didn't have that. Not,
1: you don't fit in here, boys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> why aren't you angry? Well, some of the videos too, it just I mean, the lead guy had the bowl cut. I mean
0: he, he
1: was, did. <laughs> he so had the bowl
2: the sweater vest, and I'm like, You were, <laughs> I can't imagine why you guys weren't popular. <laughs>
1: They should have on the genre stuff. that should be nerd rock, there you <laughs> or <go>. nerd, or <laughs> nerd. That, I'll give them nerd pop, whatever. I
3: don't. <laughs> nerd, but yeah. It's so bold. A so, rock. Such a
1: bold cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I think the timing was a big part of you know why they didn't gain in popularity and kind of stay that way. It's interesting. Like a lot of stuff I listened to and read about David. He always had like sort of a long view of his life. He was like even then. I was like, okay, I had graduated from college. And even then I was thinking, okay, so, you know, how long will I do this? Because I might want to go back to school. And he did, he became a lawyer. Oh, so wow. So it reminds me of me and you, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> with our INFJ, like we do a lot of different things, you know, and stuff like ah. that. My kids call it well-rounded, which I took That's as That's what a compliment. my mom calls it too. Did you, did you even think of yourself that way? Before? No, no. I didn't either. No. And my kids, like if couple months ago, one of my daughters was like, yeah, you're the most well-rounded in our family, I think. And I'm like, really? Wow. Oh yeah. You do this. You have this, you do this. You you do focus on some things, but you have all these different things you do and you have a part of, and you're not like tied to any one where you're going to be, oh, if that goes away, I have mm-hmm. nothing. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. I never thought about it though.
2: Yeah. My mom always said, that's a very Catholic um, sense. And she's like, not the big no. C Catholic. <laughs> I'm like no, mom. I would never.
1: <laughs> right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But she's she's always said that about me, and I didn't really know that that was a positive thing. I just felt like it was. I just I'm a dabbler, and
1: I think it is positive though.
2: I guess so. Yeah, at this age, I feel like it's. <laughs> it's
1: like anything. Everything has a a shadow side. <laughs> negative yeah. side to it. Yeah. But, and we feel the negative part of it, right? Like, I'm not really good, super good at anything, right? Yeah.
3: Yep,
1: exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm really, I'm pretty good at a lot of different things. Yeah. Know? Every <laughs> once in a while, I hit one out of the park, but <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I can fake it really well in a Don't lot ask of me to do scenarios. it again <laughs> Yeah.
1: A lot of it, a lot of it's faking, but you know,
2: that doesn't go well when you're a teenager. I think that's when why it became yes. so easy for me that
1: right. everybody
2: had their niche and I yeah. didn't. I'm like oh I yeah. like that. Yeah. oh no I like that too oh yeah that too and yeah. they're like would you settle and I'm like and they want to
1: put you in a, yeah they want to put you in a niche I'm guessing you were well liked by every by, by, by most groups most because yeah, I flex. had friends in every group so was I same yeah. thing so yeah. it must be yeah. that something to do with that that personality of that yeah so, but he, uh, David, the lead singer said that he was always like that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ever like, oh, the music is all there is. And I'm just going to focus mm-hmm. on that all the way. Yeah. So that might be part of the reason too, because I think there came a time when they were like, okay, do we want to keep going or do we want to, you know, so a lot of different yeah. factors, but yeah, whatever the case may be, they're making music now still. So that's good.
2: Oh, good. Um, And I think that's what I was going to say. They should, because there was a song, Marigold. I was coming back with my son tonight from getting our haircut. He was playing his music, of course, because he can only do mm -hmm. that when he's with me. Because when he's with Derek, we listen to Derek's music. And so I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you can play your music. So he's playing his music. And Girl in Red, it's a band. We in Love in October. That song was on. And I said, oh, that sounds like the band I'm listening to right now that I'm doing the podcast with Sting tonight. And he's like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, yes, it does. You don't know
1: The Don't I insult like, me by hey. saying that.
2: Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? But I mean, we do like a lot of the same music, my son oh, and I. Cool. And I was like, they should be making music now because they would be really popular because he's 15 and a lot of his songs sound like that. And I was like, they sound just like that. So I'm glad Sorry, they're still man. making music. You know, they're the 80s pop, you know, just we just want to dance. That's gone. At least mostly. Yeah, you know, I would mostly. agree. Yeah. So I was like, wow, they would be really it right now. So. Maybe they'll have a resurgence.
1: Who knows? <laughs> just that they're still even doing it for, you know, art, art for art's sake is cool, you know, yeah. that they're enjoying it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. One of my favorite songs by the Ocean Blue is the album opener. It's called Breezing Up. You're just new to all this. So, you're. I mean, I've just got these songs embedded, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah. So
1: this song is really, really cool. The music feels like what the song's about, which I think is really cool. to think of the term and I was like okay so in English it's automatopoeia or whatever automatopoeia.
2: like automatopoeia
1: excuse me yeah automatopoeia <laughs> where you know like buzz like where it said yeah. the word sounds yeah. like what it is right um yep. and I was like there must be a word like that for music because that's what this is so I looked it up mm-hmm. and did some research Ooh, so I put the music feels like waves and sprays of water and you're kind of you know and like you're on these waves and you can kind of feel the boat, boat climbing the waves during part of the song and coming back down. And I looked it up and it's called word painting, oh. also known as tone painting or text painting. It's the musical technique of composing music that reflects the literal meaning of a song's lyrics or story elements.
2: Oh, my gosh. I And, love that.
3: <laughs> and
1: I know that's the first time I've, I've discovered this. So I'm so excited. <laughs> and it seems weird that it's called word painting. Or text painting or tone painting, because none of those give the idea of music. Like if you just said them, but it's that's what it specifically is. And so I was just really excited about that when I read that because I'm a nerd. And so
2: I love that connection that you said that because my first note about it is this written about Homer's painting titled Breezing Up. Homer, very famous, has a painting called Breezing Up, and it comes up when you look it up, and it's a guy and his kids in a boat, but you can't really tell, you know, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I wonder if he wrote it about the paint, if he saw the painting and that inspired him.
1: That 100% was an influence, I can guarantee you. Okay. Did I tell you that he like writes a lot about poems and paintings and stuff like that? Yes. 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 And he said that. And so I didn't okay. even realize that. That's a cool find. The whole of this time, I didn't know that. So there's a Homer painting called Breezing Up.
2: Oh, Breezing Up. Yep. Yep. He
1: said he writes a lot of his songs about poems or paintings.
2: Oh, I so, love that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Another one of
2: the things I dabble in is the art. That's really cool. As well. mm.
1: I think he takes those things and then he, they inspire him. And then he kind of makes them into something else makes as well. His own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the song is about life. Yeah, And kind of the album is too I mean, it's almost like we're starting out We're in the sailboat, you know, I'm here with all my friends Your friends. And yeah. he's like, that, that beyond is the shoreline And that's where it ends Some of the reviews interpreted it differently than I do But I kind of look at that as, okay, you're on this journey in this boat You know, the shoreline, that's like, you know, the end of life or the afterlife or whatever That's beyond what we're, you know, our journey right now um, Which I think is reflected in some of the other songs too that we'll yeah. talk about. But I don't know, I thought this was really, really cool. You know, it talks about being high and dry. Or That's we... my
2: favorite line.
1: <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, like safe in this camaraderie of friends in our world, like our immediate yeah. world that surrounds us in the midst of all these yeah. waves, you know, and on this journey. So I just thought that was so cool.
2: And again, if you want to look for biblical references, I mean, Jesus in the boat with the disciples and calming the storm. And, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of allegory that you could put in there, but I really prefer that he looked, saw that painting and did it off. I
1: love that. (laughs) Well, I I guarantee you that's what happened, but that was what inspired the song for sure.
2: See, now I want to get like a copy of that painting and I want to put the lyrics over it, you know, like superimposed over it and have that, you know, I'm like, I would love (laughs) this.
1: Yes. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. (laughs) Do you have anything else on that song? I just love the song, so. No, I
2: I, I thought it was a great start.
1: It just comes right in with the dreamy, floating, Mm -hmm. you know, you got the water thing. You're on the water, Um, yeah. (laughs) You know, they're in the boat above the water, but it still has that underwater feel, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
2: the ocean is so unpredictable, so.
1: Right, yeah, which comes up again later. Yes. So, So then we go into Cerulean. Which I think yeah. was their first single from this album. I have comments. I mean, it had comments the
2: reference too. to raining 40 days and 40 nights. And I was yes. like, okay, there there's, the, there's
1: a biblical reference. One of the commenters that I read said that this was about a relationship and the difficulties or whatever. And I'm like, really? I don't know. Hmm. Like, you know, I get that from it the monotony of a relationship.
3: Oh, okay. What it oh. said,
1: which All I'm right. like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. One note I wrote was, I'm trying to see if this was a quote or something I wrote, but I'll read it. Okay. So overall, Cerulean lends itself to interpretations of feeling trapped in a repetitive cycle and longing for something different. Okay. That was a quote. The desire for change and breaking free from constraints may be central themes explored within the song. Hmm. Cerulean appears to convey a sense of longing and frustration within a relationship, the lyrics depict the protagonists being surrounded by blue skies and white clouds, which are typically associated with serenity. But there's an underlying tone of dissatisfaction.
2: And then it has gray clouds later.
1: That's not my interpretation, but that's what it sounds like. I'm they're trying remember.
2: to apply the grunge feeling to this song.
3: <laughs>
1: Maybe so. I didn't it's think about fair. that.
2: <laughs> I thought his his voice on blue skies, those words and the chorus was that's why I put down R.E.M., I'm like, yeah, I could hear that. Blue skies. I'm like, that's Michael (laughs) Stike.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could hear that for sure. this more of a I don't know maybe it's just a feeling of the music but I think it's in the lyrics as well like I felt positive like a yeah. positive feeling from this song
3: yeah
1: and so the blue skies being positive like blue skies come down on me gray clouds are far away
2: mm-hmm. yeah how is I that don't understand
1: yeah. all of it yeah. <laughs> I sought it for days on days I sought it for six weeks or so but if you look at six weeks that's approximately 40 days Mm-hmm. So I think he, his blue skies, he's been seeking for 40 days. So there's that reference mm-hmm. to Noah's Ark again.
2: Yeah. Right. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Waiting for the know, rain. And I'm
1: sure it could be um, metaphorical about life too. Like we go through, you know, times of gray skies and rain and we're really, you know, holding out for those blue skies, but here come the blue skies. They're coming yeah. down on me. I mean, that's more what I see it as a, a yeah. metaphor for, you know, going through hard times and stuff like that. in this life journey, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's too simplistic of a metaphor, but...
2: Well, I don't think that he was trying to be complicated. I really didn't get that from him. I mean, some of the lyrics, I wasn't sure exactly what he was going for, but I don't feel like he was like, try to figure it out. I mean, that just doesn't feel like that. This band doesn't feel like that to me, so.
1: Did you have any thoughts on... When it says "Be careful what you say," you I, said that yesterday.
2: Said, again, be careful what you. I, again, I heard you know. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. You know, that's what yeah. because you know with kids, I'm like that. Go back for me. So
1: yeah, I'm not sure but what that means within the context of the song, but I don't know. You know. I don't know. Did you like this one? Was this a filler, or did you like it?
2: No, I liked this one.
1: This was I, really good.
2: Even the ones that were fillers, I felt like were.
1: They were still killers. Yeah, songs. they yeah. still
2: kept you engaged on it
1: so. And one of the things I'll say on this one is All of these songs have some form of like Sort of a guitar feature yeah. Or crescendo mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. Where the guitar kind of takes over Like in a really creative, moving way, I think So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. so yeah, it's pretty cool
2: Is that your favorite one?
1: Uh, no, I I would say probably Breezing Up is my favorite song. Okay. Okay. I really like Cerulean as well. Next up, Marigold, for a (laughs) long time, was not one of my favorites at all. (laughs) Okay. It's very different. I like it. Um, I like it more so now than I think when I first got the album. You know, it was kind of like one of those kind of skippers for me
3: on tracks.
1: But it's like sort of a, a dreamy, bouncy song. So I think it was just, you know, my tastes at the time, you know, were a little a little different. I've got some other thoughts. On you, what are your thoughts on this before I say something? Well,
2: some the first thing I wrote down was Pocket Full of Posies. Nice call out on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was neat. I like that.
1: that and then I wrote
2: down I like the lyric crying yellow, raining green, singing blue. I just like. Oh, that. Yeah. Nice that's very poetic. And it's also, I mean, when you're talking about colors and I read an OCD book, cause I, I struggle with that. Um, mm-hmm. And I struggled with it a lot more when I was younger and it was called Born on a Blue Day. And it was talking about how with some OCD people, colors, they have a life, they, they do other oh, yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I liked that, yeah. that singing blue i just thought oh and crying yellow like i mean yellow is typically cowardly or something like that you know if you're yellow so when you're crying you're being cowardly you're being weak raining green i'm not quite sure but maybe that's growth rain is growth green is growth and then singing blue you know singing the blues i was i was like oh i could just yeah. be so much into this
0: yeah <laughs> Colors all collide now meadows and in daydreams of gold and blue. Crying yellow, raining green, and singing blue.
2: Maybe it wasn't anything like that, but I really like that. That's my no, that's favorite That's what's beautiful there.
1: about it, though. That's what's beautiful Mm -hmm. about it. And I have a quote from an article from around the time the album came out. And it's uh, referring to that song, okay? It has a little clip of the lyrics. She makes me crazy like flowers make me crazy. My marigold, like a fistful of daisies or a pocketful of posies or marigolds. Mm -hmm. And then he has a quote from David. I think Michael Stipe once said, referring to the one I love that when someone's in love a love song is the most beautiful thing in the world but when he's not the lyrics can come off as trite and overdone <laughs> and oh, then he said ooh. I wrote this song when I was very much in love <laughs> so but then it goes on to say David uh, Shelzel was a humanities major from Penn State and he uh, he enjoys reading good literature and hopes that listeners will view his lyrics in the same vein. One of the greatest compliments I can receive is that my lyrics seem more like lines of a poem. Okay. Yeah. So it's very So now poetic. knowing
2: that, I just went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but this maybe again, maybe I'm attributing too much to it, but now with the pocket full of posies, those were used to cut the smell from the Black Death from the people, yeah, I, and yeah. so like that so strong, overwhelming smell of flowers is covering up the dead relationship. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the it makes you feel sick because now it's you know what's underneath it, and it's not a good smell. It's not a like oh yay a flower smell. It's not roses. He didn't say roses. He said posies and marigolds. Marigolds stink. I mean, they have a really strong. They have a very
1: strong odor. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you really don't. I, I don't. I think marigolds are kind of smelly. So I, that's interesting. I like that. Mm.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. When I first heard the line, "like pocket full of posies," I was like, that song that they used to sing, right? Like ashes, ashes, all fall. Is,
3: yeah, and
1: that was like we used to sing it when we were kids and stuff, and didn't really realize what it was all Let's about. Play right?
2: a little ditty about the Yeah, black
1: <laughs> and what, what are the ashes? You know, like oh, man. so.
2: We burned the bodies. All
1: right. I'd like to believe he put that in there as sort of like kind of what you were talking about, like a, sort of a, a contradiction, you know, mm. or what love can be like when you're in love, everything looks rosy and everything, you know, you take all yeah. the positive from things, you know, so the marigolds, you're even enthralled with the smell of. yeah, because they're
2: very pretty to look at.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But if you're not in love, you might be like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) That stench. I don't know.
2: (laughs) And this is the one that I put down originally. This tune is reminiscent of some of Alexander's music. And then, like I said today, just as we were coming home, I'm like, that's the song that it makes me think of. This song right here. Cool. so that was exciting so, for me so what I do you think music. of the
1: song in general
2: um it wasn't my it favorite just because of the yeah. tune um hmm. i'm more of a smoother one but with all the connections i really like it quite a bit so lyrics wise really like it music wise is not in my top but, but yeah, I same don't yeah, yeah same for me
1: yeah same for me yeah exactly the same yeah then we jump back into a separate reality which is really dreamy again this one's a okay. Yeah, I can understand you would say that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just I couldn't get anything from it. I'm like, huh? Okay.
1: Yeah. It seems to be pretty upfront with its meaning, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I jotted down some notes on this. Um, okay, some of them are just words. Like I put grief, question mark, <laughs> mm. knowing something, but being able to act on it or confront it. Um,
3: oh.
1: I put, we end up in situations that we never dreamed of. You know, part of the lyrics are, you can't believe it, but here you are. You never dreamed it.
2: Oh my gosh. I put like
1: it's I put it's a super dreamy song, very slow, so I I mean and I could understand how you would put it in that filler category. Well, um, I really can. Here's
2: the here's the thing that's why I just said it. this this feels like a therapy session almost because having gone through Widowhood and with my dad's recent death, and helping my mom, and talking with my mom quite often about being a widow and what she's dealing with. And maybe that's why I passed over this song so quickly because it hit home too much.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When you reset mm-hmm. those lyrics, you never dreamed it, but here you are. And I'm like, oh, my mom has said that over and over and over to me because you know they were married yeah. 64 years, 63 years. Oh my
1: goodness, and yeah. my dad
2: was 88, and um,
1: they're like part of you. Right. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. She was married at 19. Part of the same
1: person uh, by that yeah. point. You're yeah. Like, you know, yeah. and they had
2: dated for two years. I mean, she's been with dad since she was 17. And she said to me over wow. and over, she's like, I I never dreamed that this would happen. We were supposed to die together. I don't, I don't know how to start over. I don't want to be here. Yeah. I, I know that I'm here, but I just don't want it to be real. And so maybe that, mm. that's why I, I wow. passed over that song because I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> wow.
1: That's, that's, gonna that's have to read yeah, I some. appreciate that insight. You adding that. <laughs>
0: You can't believe it You can't
1: You know, grief came to mind because that's one of the situations that I imagine you're in it and you understand intellectually what you need to do to move on, maybe Mm -hmm. on a certain level, but doing it's a different thing. Yeah. And, you know, the situation you're talking about, that grief is, you know, completely on one of the highest levels of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody's got their grief things too, right? Change is loss, right? And Everybody goes through changes and has grief, you know, it could be your kid is off doing something, living a life that's not good for them or whatever. And that's, there's grief in that, you know, there's grief in your kid moving out, you know, exactly. So, but I don't know. That's why I put that because I was like, okay, any level of grief that seems to be like the thing where you're like, okay, I know I wouldn't say you're paralyzed, but you're like, you know, it, but it takes some time to get through that and to move on. I don't know. But having said that, musically, I definitely see how it could be a filler.
2: Yeah. You know? I saw a spelling. I'm a spelling nerd. And I've spelled this separate S-E-P-A-R-A-T-E. I hate, I hate
1: spelling that word. <laughs> I always spell it I know. It
2: <laughs> I saw it spelled S-E-P-E-R-A-T-E online. And I'm like, isn't that different? Isn't separate? And the other one is separate? Mm. Or maybe they're spelled the same way. Interesting. But I'm like, if it is spelled I with two yes, then it would oh. be a separate reality.
1: Interesting.
2: So I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check that. I, I I put a star on this to be I to didn't it even. research.
1: What's interesting is I spell that word wrong constantly. <laughs> because, you know, I work in a uh, lab, right? So I'm a QC manager. Mm. And there's a test we have called a separation, you know, water <laughs> separation. And I spell that word wrong all the time. <laughs> at least in this that context is supposed to be s-e-p-a-r-a-t-e
2: yeah that's how I've but i heard.
1: and i didn't even realize when i went to the ocean blue website copied the song titles and lyrics over and okay. they have s-e-p-e-r-a-t-e
2: See? that's what i found online and i was like hmm. oh that's spelled wrong and then because when i wrote it down i put the two e's and then i nice. looked at it and i have a correction i have it a, and then not, just now, I'm like, well, is se- separate and separate, are they spelled differently? Hmm. English language is so jacked up. Like,
1: I don't <laughs> think so. I think, I honestly believe they misspelled it. Okay. But but maybe, wow. I don't know.
2: Some some producers' know. neck is on the line.
1: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Whoever populated the Ocean Blue website needs to be axed right this year. Yeah, evening.
2: right? <laughs> uh,
1: but it's very dreamy. You can call it, it a filler, but it's it also it's very crazy. dreamy, right?
2: Yeah, I don't want it to be cut <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So
1: I think I've, I've kind of had that feeling of the song over the years. So I definitely get that. It was another one that was kind of like a skipper for a long time, I think, for yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Then we have Mercury. <laughs> this is the Mercury. second most played song on Spotify from the album. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, according to plays, number of plays.
2: I Uh, thought this was the only one that really had a different sound and it ended up being the same, but it started out different. It started out more driving with the drums Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And if I'm wrong, I might be, it might be drums and keyboard, but I thought it was drums and guitar, an electric guitar, or was that the keyboard? I think it's
1: guitar. I know what parts you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's a unique sound though. Yeah. Whatever they did with the guitar there. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I think it's guitar. I think you're right.
2: My son, Elijah, is, I don't know if I've told you that he's writing music. Did I tell you he's writing music? Oh, no.
1: I knew he could play and he played, yeah, he taught he played himself some bread songs band. for you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, he yeah. can play. He plays like every instrument, but he's oh, really good on guitar. Oh, So jealous. I know I, he's so talented and not doing jack with it. But anyway, moving on. Um, so he, but he's been he's been sharing with us um, some of the songs that he's written and he doesn't have lyrics to them yet. And he, so it's very electric guitar. And then his friend Josh on drums. I put a note. I'm like, I need to send this song to him. And see if he and Josh could work it up. I'm sure they could. And I was like, that would be easy for him. The lyrics though, would be hard for him to sing because he has such a deep voice. And I'm like, you know, be different coming from Elijah than this guy. But I wrote down, I love the lyrics. It's simple yet profound. And it reads like a poem. I get why it was more popular. So yeah,
1: me too. And it's kind of very relatable, I think to everyone, definitely young people who are in high school or whatever. (laughs) It kind of has some hints of like, I don't if I want to say abuse but like definitely feeling abused or discarded or whatever talks about being ripped into then pasted back again then crumbled yeah. up inside then tossed aside so it's like it's like a tear down build up tear down type of yeah, thing th- this was um, really
2: the most I thought the deepest lyrics wise I was like wow what's going on
1: <laughs> yeah and then some of the comments I saw they were like yeah, it's not really clear what mercury means and all this stuff. And I'm like, I really think it it's just the volatility. Yeah. You know, being yeah. a lab guy, the mercury, you know, in the thermometers, like it's very it's affected perfect. by the surroundings.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: By the surrounding temperature by, you know, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, it moves, changes easily. And so it's like, you know, you know, what's happening to you is up and down and all over the place yeah. and it's very volatile. So anyway, I really like this song a lot. This was one, a skipper for me when i had the album you know when oh. I first had it for several years and I just really like it now when it says happened once then it happened twice then it happened thrice I thought that was and funny. now a fourth and now yeah. a fourth and I said yeah. not everyone could get away with this lyrical stanza because exactly. <laughs> it's so because <laughs> if you just read it it's like what in the world <laughs> but but yeah but it works well there mm-hmm.
2: um my thought on that on that okay. lyric was I was like I watched Rocketman and, um, oh yeah! Oh, that's good. A while ago, that was such. I a good really like that. Loved and, it. And but Bernie's yeah. lyrics written down on paper are ridiculous, but how Elton <laughs> takes them and sings them yeah. makes them good so point. profound and awesome. And so that mixture, and I was like, okay, this song, that lyric, happened once, happened twice, happened thrice. And I'm like, okay, and now if okay, like, what?
3: you're
1: pushing. I, it. You're pushing. Yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I'm like, what the heck? But you know what? It works when you sing it. So. <laughs>
1: yeah i can't imagine ever sitting down and writing that and being like yes i nailed it
2: maybe i'll say it's right i
1: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but can i do it? no no yeah (laughs) (laughs) at least he didn't didn't put quadruple in there he said fourth (laughs) so that's good And then there's a couple parts, I think, where he's saying, you know that, like a question. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was cool. I think it's kind of like something I read. I did actually agree with on this one, because I think it's kind of like when you're feeling that way, you're like, you want somebody like, you know what I mean?
2: Validation. Like I'm feeling
1: like, oh, you want somebody to validate.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: Affirm and validate. So I don't know. Really great song.
2: Yeah.
1: Really great song. Then we jump into questions of travel. (laughs) One of my favorite songs, and it just doesn't say a lot. <laughs> I mean, it says a lot, but it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I tried to pull my interpretations out of it, so I'll share. There those you go. Minute, I just I had you... a
2: question about it. My question about questions <laughs> of travel was: Is this a commentary of Americans that dream of traveling but they don't actually go?
1: Maybe I didn't think about that, but
2: I wasn't sure.
1: <laughs> maybe so. I put Americans, I feel like we have this wonderful country mm-hmm. that a lot of us haven't seen. We've seen bits and pieces of our own country. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, let's face it, America, you have like such a wide variety of environments and geology. We have pretty much all those things that those other places have. And, and with Puerto we, Rico, we get a rainforest. There you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you right. they're, not, they're not a like,
2: state, but dang it, pull, it, they belong to Yeah, us. but we...
1: <laughs> what are they a territory or something what are they called something like but yeah commonwealth yes Mm -hmm. yeah so but it's true like you could probably spend the rest of your life like visiting places in our country to see things you have not seen Mm -hmm. and yet i think there's sort of an excitement in the other so the other is london paris germany i think he said something about grecian roads or something like that chinese walls and, and that stuff is cool. I mean, I want to go. Yeah, I, I'd like to same. go visit some of those places. But anyway, I went to that, you know, uh, philosophical side that he probably didn't intend at all. Like longing for what's not right in front of you. Like you want some, you know, yeah. but I don't know. I put dreaming of far off places, adventure the other. Mm. Like I said, the song just pretty much talks about different places <laughs> to dream of visiting. But I really like yeah. it. Yeah. I love the guitar in it.
3: Yes, um, he's sort of great, thrashing
1: on this guitar at certain parts yeah. and it kind of fades out that way uh-huh. like you know that hard guitar chord What do you think of the song was this on your filler list it. or yeah no
2: not at all the only one that i had on as a filler is well i mean falling through the ice duh but um a separate yeah. reality Only one but now i have to re-listen to that so that yeah. that might come out of the filler so
1: <laughs> and like you said even no, I fillers, liked it wasn't like you disliked it or hated it it's just
2: no no i thought not, they, they, you know, they were cohesive so
1: yeah you remember when life was easy jamie
2: Oh, I have a star by this one.
1: <laughs> was life ever easy? I'm not sure.
2: See, Easier. now I I say that I wish life was easy again. And Derek always says life hasn't been easy for me since 1973. I'm like, you were literally three Derek's years awesome. old. You give it. <laughs> He's
0: always I love it. I love I've been it.
2: I was driving before you were out of diapers, and I'm like, you're a year older than me. I'm like, stop <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. Not
2: even a year, 11 months. I mean, come on. (laughs) So, but he didn't have the same growing up that I, I mean, he had a much rougher growing up than I did without a doubt.
1: We've talked about Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. But I, I mean, I do recall very easy times and I very much enjoyed my childhood and I clung to it. I did. Mm -hmm. I clung to it for a long time. I was probably a pretty immature 16 year old, but I didn't care. I, you know, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't impressed with adulthood. So I was like, So you appreciated um,
1: it at the time.
2: I did. I did. I was mm. very cognizant. I think pre- being the youngest and my, yeah, my yeah. sisters yeah. and one in particular, living in the gutter basically for a lot of her time. And I was like, yeah, I not interested And and she, that was the accusation, you know, between us She's always like, you just live your head in the clouds and you're in your mm-hmm. books and you, you live in a dream world. And I'm like, yeah, I much prefer it. Yeah it's much better yeah. than what you're doing. So I'm like yeah.
1: right, right.
2: That's not, that's not a criticism for me. I'm, I'm good with Yeah, that. better,
1: better the dream world than the than the physical tangible gutter.
2: Yes, yes, yes. For sure.
1: So, so um, I love
2: I love this song. This was I of, thought
1: this, this song is was great. I got
2: to.
1: Um yeah. mm-hmm. one of my favorites on here. The first note I put was they're pulling out the sleigh bells because at the beginning, I don't even know if you realized <laughs> it. I've heard it so many times. There's like these bells they're shaking at the beginning of the song (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it sounds like sleigh bells I'm pretty sure it's what it is that's
2: that's perfect because that brings to mind Christmas which is a great time you know that's like childhood Christmas and all that oh that's good yeah so they're throwing
1: that in there maybe that's like hey be thankful for the times you have right now like right yeah I think that is part of the song I think a part of it is you know appreciating what you have Um, it's easy Mm -hmm. to say oh I wish it was you know go back to the good old days or go back to whatever. I put this note, push and pull between wanting the excitement of not knowing what life will bring. There's an excitement in that, not knowing what life's what's in store in life and what's coming up and oh anything's possible. Wanting that and then also needing that arranged control of life so it doesn't spiral out of control because it talks about mm. rearranging life. My nice. life it's changed or have I rearranged what was my life? Like, is it Mm -hmm. life that's doing this or is it me that's doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like making the unpredictableness. Is that a word?
3: Oh, I like that.
1: Unpredictableness. It is now. (laughs) Made the (laughs) unpredictableness of life predictable by orchestrating and shaping it into a comfort, you know, Ah. more of a secure thing. I think that's what we do as adults. Well, Um, sure. But then when we do that, then there's sort of that you've defined what it is then and you've controlled what it is. So it's like, Oh, what about the excitement of like accepting life's going to take us in places that we don't intend to go. And we have very little control. We have a very small area of control in life and what happens. And ultimately really we don't have any control, but exactly. um, Exactly. But um, I don't know. I thought this was really an interesting song. I got caught up in a lot of the stuff. Like what once brought fright now seems oh, so trite and I'm scared. So he's talking about something that brought fright, but now that seems trite. So it's almost like I'm not afraid of that anymore. And I'm scared. Yeah. So am I scared that I'm not, I don't have that feeling of fright? Like I'm not knowing what's coming.
2: That I took that to be, I'm scared that I've lost that, Yes. that vulnerability. Yes. (laughs) Because it's uh, my favorite line is catastrophe and calamity are the norm now. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I'm becoming a nerd to it and I don't want to be. I want to be back where it was innocent and I didn't have these things going wrong and I don't want it to be. Oh, well, of course, this is going to happen. And, you know, that's how life is. I want to still fear these things. And I really related to this song. This song was, like I said, I think this is my top one. It has a slightly ominous sound at the beginning is what I said, different than the other ones. But then it reminds me of Cerulean, the the song Cerulean um, with the sound wise. But I was like, oh, I identify with this is my Achilles heel is that I want to go back. I always Mm. want to go back. Mm. Always, no matter what. Well, okay. Not always, because there are some things I'm like, yeah, don't want to ever go back there again, yeah, don't want to go but I'm always again. looking in the past and mm-hmm. Derek is always looking to the future. And we're really bad at not, neither of us deals well with the present. We just oh, really wow. struggle with yeah. that because yeah. he's always well, well in five years or, you know, in a few months or, and I'm like, would you just stop? And I'm like, man, <laughs> it was so much better, you know, when we had this or the kids were here. And <laughs> he's so like, great. And he's like, yeah, but you need to focus on the future. And I'm like, why don't we just focus on the now? We're not good at that. We're horrible yeah. at that. I don't focus on the now until the past.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll focus on the now tomorrow. I'll yeah. focus on the now then.
2: <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. See, I'm very much in the now. Okay. I don't focus on the past very much and I don't focus on the future. But there's definitely a negative side to that, to just being in the now only. And just not thinking about that stuff because it's a balance, right? you got to have a balance of all those things. I think you don't want to get stuck in the past, but you want to honor that and take something from it. And it's not like, okay, I want to be there. You can't go that far. Like, oh, if I can go back, right. But definitely you could take something positive, like, oh, there are some things you can take back. Like, remember, it was like this. That was something we went away from or moved away from. We should get back to that right? And in the future, you have to have some future vision and plan. So if you're only in the now, it's not good. I yeah. mean, that's where I spend a lot of time and it's really great a lot of time, but it's not really great for like relationships and stuff like that. Like making plans with people, you know?
2: Yeah. And because, Derek is always focused yeah. on that. And I think I passed that on to Elijah. He doesn't live in the past. He lives very much in the now, but unfortunately that means that he's always just like putting out fires as he goes along. Right. You yeah. Know?
1: That's what it turns like, out like, a lot of times. We're
2: constantly, you don't think ahead. And I was like, mm-hmm. I do with certain things. I think way too far ahead, and then I'm like, yeah, I can't deal with that. So then I'm just, gonna, yeah, you know, it's a reminisce. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. And,
2: you know, we need to pay bills, and I'm like, ah, can we just deal with that? Yeah, yeah. later. Yeah. You
1: know, I it's guess. just like in college when you have the paper due, right? Let's wait. Till yeah, it.
2: yeah. I'm.
1: I do my best work the night before. Trust <laughs> me. <Yeah.
2: laughs> have you seen the movie Sideways? Yes. Okay, that's we the one hard. with
1: the the wineries. Yes. Right. We just
2: watched that recently because I love my, it. my podcast, um, The Rewatchables. Oh, they, yeah, you told they, me about that.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so much fun. And so yeah. I was like, I want to watch Sideways, and I, I never wanted to before. I didn't think it was a movie that I would like. I just I thought it was different. I thought it was like a comedy or something. I don't know why I uh-huh. thought that. Um, oh yeah. No. And so <laughs> we watched it, and the title of his book is The Day After Yesterday. Everybody in the movie <laughs> I don't was even like, remember that's, that. That's uh, today. <laughs> the the, is after. it is
1: it Paul Giamatti? that's yes, his book in the book, movie okay the U day Tome Tome after yesterday
2: that's two boxes yeah and he titled the day after yesterday and everybody's like so today and he's like no you know <laughs> like I have
1: to go back and watch did. it again I thought it was really good
2: yeah you get so, so mad really,
1: about Merlot don't you don't you give me from I mean, Merlot
2: you know that what watch well said that honestly and truly the sales from Merlot dropped yes. Yep. They drop because of that. I, and what's the other one that that's still a time? Oh,
1: uh, uh, Pinot Noir, I think.
2: Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's so
1: popular now because. <laughs> that's
2: hysterical. I'm like, and I'm not a wine person. It all tastes like, they would hate me. They'd be like, oh, this has a hint of it. I'm like, yeah, it tastes like vinegar. Yeah. So does it yeah. taste like vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get any Woodsy Rose. I taste vinegar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> funny so anyway, yeah the day after yesterday exactly. that's today, <laughs> that's, funny. That's, today. Uh, that's great so yeah so I love this song we both love this song you feel yeah. like this may be your number one
2: I think it is I had On another one that was my first one until it came to when life was easy and I'm like oh yes. yeah this
1: is and it dethroned yeah what was your other one
2: uh, ballerina out of control
1: <laughs> okay okay yeah <laughs> Yeah, which we'll get to pretty quickly here. I did have one more note on this one I had. He's talking about all this stuff uh, through the song about when life was easy and, you know, all the different aspects of that. And then it comes to a part where he says, but when I look into your eyes, I forget myself and my size. I'm alone with you on the sea, on the crystal sea. And then like this awesome like crescendo of um, guitar comes in, right? And we're back on the sailboat,
3: Yeah, Yes.
1: So I put, he pulls himself back onto the sailboat on the Crystal Sea. He reminds himself that the piece of life that we have control to arrange is very small, but he's with someone on this big, huge sea. Yeah. There's both excitement and comfort in that. You know, Mm -hmm. at the beginning and breezing up, he talked about all my friends, you know, so, you know, we're together in this. I'm big on talking about your world, which is the people Mm -hmm. that surround you, that you touch, that touch you, your network, right? That's your your
3: world. You know, that's what I
1: always talk to my kids about. And sometimes myself, when there's the feeling of like, I don't matter. What do I contribute? Your world is the people you touch and you affect that. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy to do different things to affect that. You don't have to be some movie star. You don't have to be yeah. some rock star. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to be the president of a company. Like yeah. you're affecting and changing your world. Sorry, I'll get down off that. Well, now. That's
2: that's great. That just brought up three more things for me. That last line, the first time I listened to it, I read it as a relationship. The second time I listened to it, after all the other biblical references, I was like, oh, he's talking about God. God is bringing mm. him
3: back oh, could to be. ground
2: and I was oh, like, okay, yeah so, hmm. so that works for me. So I was like, okay, so that aspect I brought into it. And again, on an aside with that, recently I saw this sweatshirt online that said, motherhood is my ministry. And I sent the link to my daughter and I said, you need this. And she's like, I really want that because <laughs> she's struggling with that whole, yeah. what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I'm 26, I have four kids and I'm, right now she's home. That's I mean, hard she is on a,
1: a mother, isn't it? it is is. like a young mother
2: being so active and she's a very Mm -hmm. anxious kind of person yeah so she's always calling with different things and she's like oh my gosh you know she's like Mm -hmm. freaking out and stuff and really anxiety ridden and so she's like oh thank you mom this makes me feel so much better because i'm like you do have a ministry you're raising the next generation that is your ministry you don't have to be changing the world you are with your kids And that's what's important. And then the third thing that just came up is what you said to influence people and make a difference. You don't have to be, my dad never went to college. He wasn't a great student. He didn't start out like his adulthood doing great things. He went into the service. He got married and divorced very quickly and was drinking and just, you know, not doing well. And when he and my mom got together, he knocked all that off. And got his head on straight. And he that's what he did. He just worked. He worked and he raised four girls and he worked and he helped people. And I cannot tell you the number of people that came to the house to see him while he was dying and how many people he encouraged while he was dying. And I'm like, that was his ministry. My dad spiritually influenced more people than most ministers that I know just because yeah. of how he lived. And so I was like, you know, this song just, I mean, and my parents, they gave us a really good life and I really credit them for that. I had a really, really good childhood. And I think you do take that for granted most of the time until you get out and you realize like meeting Derek and I'm like, holy crap, you had a horrible childhood. And, yeah. and John, my yeah. first husband, he didn't have a great childhood. And I'm like, wow, am I the only one? You know, I'm like, I just, and, and I'm not, yes. but more often than not, people had difficult things. And so I really appreciate that my parents made that a possibility. And I'm like, you know, and I feel like that's my goal was raising Elijah to give him that stability and to give my other kids that stability and to give my grandkids. Now, you know, we Mm -hmm. want them to have that kind of, you know, something to look back on and being like, you know, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Things were solid. And I don't know.
1: It a hundred percent makes a difference. You know, when kids go through life and get older and the relationships they form, you know, Mm -hmm. the romantic relationships they have,
0: um, just that
1: legacy, you know. Well, that's going to wrap it up with the first half of Jamie and I's conversation on the Ocean Blues Cerulean album. Sorry, that was a little bit of an abrupt ending there, but that's just kind of how the chat and the recording worked out. So we will be picking up in the next episode with the planetarium scene, and we'll continue through the rest of the tracks on this album, scrutinizing them, picking them apart, and giving our interpretations. So I'm hoping you will come back and join us for that. In the meantime, I really just wanted to remind everyone, including myself, that you matter. You matter to your world, your orbits. You affect so many people and so many things and are affected by them. And you are an essential and important part. So don't ever forget that. I'm kind of struggling tonight with feeling lonely and feeling a little bit out of control. And so I wanted to remind myself and everyone out there that you matter. You're important. People love you. And wait a minute, this is starting to sound a little bit like... A Stuart Smalley daily affirmation. I think it's kind of interesting. I used to watch the Stuart Smalley skits on Saturday Night Live, the daily affirmations, and ridicule them and laugh so hard. And it seems these days I'm doing a lot of these self affirmations and self talk. So don't forget it, people. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And here's the man, Stuart Smalley himself. Followed by the band Whimsical doing a cover of Ocean Blue's Cerulean. You can check out Whimsical on Bandcamp. Until next time, take care.
0: Okay, this has not been my best show. But that's (laughs) okay. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Thank you.